Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. We are back again. Welcome to Going There. And we're excited to have our conversation today. We have a new friend on. So welcome, Felicia. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you guys will be very impressed. I mean, I feel like Samantha and I sometimes have good things to say, but Felicia has a lot of good things to say. And she is very, very wise, very smart. So we'll just jump right in because we're excited to have this conversation with you. We feel like it's been a long time coming because we're covering a topic today that Samantha and I months ago wanted to cover, but didn't really feel that it was right at that time. And so really kind of took the summer and just a few months to really think and pray about just what we wanted to say in this topic. And Felicia had a lot of good thoughts. So we're excited to jump in. But before we do that, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you, what you do. You are a founder of a ministry. You're a fellow podcaster. So tell us all about that. Sure. So I am the founder of Every Woman a Theologian, which is a ministry that exists to equip women and families to know what they believe, why they believe it, and how to communicate it graciously to their world. We have a small team and we print a ton of different resources. So we do Bible studies, we do devotionals, we do little quick theology booklets on different topics. And then I also am the host of Verity Podcast. And really, it's about taking what scripture teaches and showing how the theology within scripture directly applies to our lives and how we live. And so I get to do that with this amazing team. And my husband works with me. He is our operations manager. And then my children are always around because we homeschool and we live on a farm in northern Michigan. So it's a wonderful, awesome ministry that we get to do. And I wake up excited to do it every day. That's that's amazing. I was going to ask you where you were coming from today. Have you and your husband always worked together or how is that? No, he came home to work for Every Woman a Theologian in 2020. It was not our plan A for him to come home that soon. The business and ministry were not actually to a point where they could sustain a family yet, but God worked a miracle and he's been home ever since. So it's been a learning curve working together. We're very different personalities. I went to school for religion, but he didn't. He was an engineer. So That's not necessarily something he saw in his future, but the way God has moved things has been amazing. And it's been really cool to have our whole family involved in the ministry. That's That's awesome. There you go. Yeah. So I was explaining to Felicia a little bit before how I kind of found her. And something I do want to say too before we jump in, because as we've grown in this podcast, we've talked about this idea over and over. Christian and I, just a little backstory, both grew up with believing families that took us to church. And we kind of have different stories, but similar in the sense that we woke up one day somehow in college or in our early 20s and realized, well, I've been reading my Bible my whole life and I've been surrounded by women who have taught me things about who God is. But why is it that I feel like when I open my Bible, I can't do this at all on my own. I don't understand this. I feel like I'm not transformed by this. I'm just reading other people's words constantly about God's words. And so we both went through our own individual journeys of saying like, no, we want to be women who are able to read scripture and interpret it and know it. And even if we don't fully understand it, 
feel okay about that and have resources to dive into it more. And so when I found your Instagram and your ministry, I was really drawn to you because that is our goal for other girls in our life that we haven't been to seminary, but we still feel like like your ministry, every woman can be a theologian in a way of like, you don't have to have a degree in some sort of biblical studies to be able to really read and interpret God's word. So I personally am really drawn to what you're doing because of that. I think it's like for our generation and even girls younger than us, one of the biggest things that could happen is that we could start being passionate about that. So that's how we were first drawn to you. And everything Christian's alluding to about earlier this summer was kind of when Target specifically We'll just say that brand, I guess we can say a lot of different brands, but when everything happened earlier this summer with Target and you heard Christians on both sides of things, okay, you should for sure boycott this business. And then you had other people saying, okay, well, is that really practical? So that is what we're jumping into. I feel like we've like just not a mentioned small that. topic. Yeah. But. Just what do we do <laughs> when our culture has things that happen? How do we follow along with that as Christians, with our beliefs, what's right or wrong? So that is what we're jumping into. And I just wanted to start, how do you believe we got here as a society to have these big like cancellation moments? Or what is your take on all this that's been happening? The cancel culture movement is something I could benefit from more study into it culturally. Like where did this come from? My theory is though, that it started in the last four decades. So around the time of the sexual revolution, there were changes to how education was being done in America in the public school. And in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, there were changes that happened in terms of how we teach people to think about history, to think about conversation, discussion, critical thinking, And I think that civil discourse started to take a back seat in the conflict that was in the 60s and the 70s and then forward. We weren't really teaching people how to have a civil discourse with somebody that you disagreed with. I think the philosophical beginnings were 40 and 50 years ago, but the actual impact was realized around the turn of the century into the 21st century. And this is my generalized opinion from observation and studying history in general, again, I think I could benefit from a lot more study into this. But I think we saw a major shift in the last 20 years in terms of civil discourse. If you even look at presidential debates from the 90s compared to today, they are wildly different. In the 90s, in a presidential debate, each person took a turn to speak. And now if you watch a debate, They're over-talking each other. They're arguing with each other, interrupting each other. And that's reflective of our culture as a whole. And so now we don't know how to look at something and say, I'm going to analyze this and hold this discomfort for a moment without completely canceling it. And it's also infiltrated the church. It's a cultural trend. It's a cultural behavior. But the church has also adopted that, at least in America, and has said, you know, has not taught civil discourse, self-control, and that patient discernment that we need. And so I think that we can recapture that. 
But I definitely believe that the cultural shift away from civil discourse has infiltrated the church and the church has in turn adopted the culture's way of dealing with things that are uncomfortable. Oh, let's just take a moment and apply that to every area of our life, because even as you say all these things, I mean, the number of fruit of the spirit you just mentioned there, we did a series on that last fall and it greatly impacted our life as we were just deeply studying it. But just, yeah, as Christians, how often we forget how we should act and be different than the culture around us, but how easy it is to get sucked into those things and really assessing our actions and attitudes and words to say, am I bearing fruit of patience and kindness and goodness and self-control when I'm talking through these things? I mean, I just loved everything you just said, because that's impactful when we talk about any area of our life. And how interesting it is, is that even in our day to day, I was just talking with someone that worked the other day, they were saying like, I'm not really comfortable with conflict. I'm like, well, why is that? Like, why do you not like that? Because it's okay I'm someone who kind of leans into conflict. I don't really mind that because I love to hear other opinions, other thoughts from people. But it is interesting because then we also flock. We have the tendency to, oh, well, we do that differently. So like, I don't really like her because of that. And so therefore, like, maybe we can't be best friends because we do that differently. I think that's something we hear a lot in our culture today, which is just really weird. And something, too, I wanted to point out that you just said the critical thinking piece of it. I have to challenge myself sometimes. And I remember we're specifically talking about when Target, when a lot of Christians boycotted Target or maybe still are right now earlier in the summer because of their pride merchandise that was put out. And the designer was this man who is this satanist. Correct me if I have any details wrong because Christian and I are just learning as we go too. But I was finding myself during that time I would get on Instagram and I would see this one person that I really like and I trust their beliefs and I like their thoughts. And I would be like, oh, yeah, what they're saying is so right. Like, I think that, too. And then I would kind of like the next day see something else. And I'd be like, wait, I kind of see that side of it, too. And I finally took a step back and I was like, can I even have the skills anymore? Do I have the skills to step back and take here's what information we have. And this is what I believe about it. Or I'm going to pray about this. Or I'm going to ask people in my real life that I'm living life alongside. Hey, what are y'all's thoughts about this? How are you guys handling this? And it was kind of this aha moment for me because I think when people kind of were DMing us like, oh, what do you guys think about the Target thing? Or And let's be honest, we could do it with the Budweiser. We could do it with Starbucks. We could do it with Amazon. I mean, you mentioned in your podcast, you can look up any big company and find their beliefs and their statements that probably don't align with our own Christian values. And I just remember thinking like, okay, everyone wanted an answer from us of like, should you boycott Target or not as a Christian? And it's so nuanced and we've just lost the ability to think critically and see things from different lenses or understand that there are nuances and everything just needs to be like a black or white, yes or no, you're either in, you're out, you're canceled or you're not. And so that's kind of what we wanted to dive into, because as Christians, we are called to live differently and like bring change and stand up for justice in our world. But what would your thoughts be to these people, these Christians that are using that as their reference to like boycott anything worldly? And how do you respond to that? Or do we see examples of that in scripture? Yeah, we do see examples in scripture of separating from the world and separating from cultural practices that fly in the face of Christian ethics. But at the same time, the church was not completely removed from the world. They were living in their marketplace. They were shopping 
And a lot of times in a Greek or Roman context, because that was the framework of the day, that was the empire in which they lived. When the Jews were exiled to Babylon, they lived in Babylon and they had to deal with Babylonian paganism and gods. So it is not at all new for Christians to wrestle with to what degree do I engage with culture and to what degree do I separate? This is literally the age old question for Christians in every culture and in every time, especially in the early church for those living in Rome and under Rome and in Greece, you had a lot of this kind of wrestling that had to happen because the pagan gods were a part of every single piece of that culture. These people are living in pagan Rome. And in that context, you were worshiping these gods. If you were a Roman, you're sacrificing to these gods. And they had these temple complexes where the marketplace, where the meat was sold, was connected to the temple. So people would bring meat to the gods, sacrifice it as a thank you, give some of the meat to the priests, and then the rest would be sold for a lower price at the marketplace around the corner because they had excess amount of meat. And so this is why when you see in 1 Corinthians, throughout the Bible, in Acts, it talks about telling Christians to abstain from meat sacrificed to idols, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about the cheaper meat that was available in the marketplace that had been sacrificed to pagan gods. And Paul goes through an entire series of arguments, basically, telling Christians how to navigate this situation and saying, like, if a pagan person invites you to go and eat in the temple and your conscience is okay with doing that, you can maintain your strength of conduct and not worship the idol, then you can go. But you also shouldn't make it a practice of being casual about it. And so that kind of discernment process, I think, it has been normal for all of Christianity. And that should be encouraging to us because it means we're not alone in this wrestling. We're not alone in having to navigate this as Christians in a modern era. It's not new. This isn't surprising to God. This isn't a new concept that Christians are having to face. We just sometimes think, well, our world has never been like this and we're just having to navigate waters. It's like when you study scripture, like you're saying, it's always been there. It's just played out differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's easy for all of us to look around and be like, I'm so overwhelmed. We've never had to make such a hard decision before. And it's like, no, we actually very much so have and actually much harder. But again, are we people who are actually diving into the word and figuring out what that says in the scripture of God's words? So talk to the person who is sitting there and saying, okay, understood there's discernment and wisdom that I gained from the Holy Spirit in making this decision. But what do we do with that? So talk to the person who's maybe on either extreme. Take any brand, for example. Like you said, if you're applying it to one, there's like many different businesses who you probably don't align 100% with. But talk to the person on the extreme of, yes, for sure, 100%, I have to boycott. There's literally no option. Or no, I don't think there's any issue at all. Those are totally separate. Talk to kind of those two different thoughts. Like, how should we be thinking through this? How would you encourage or maybe warn both of those pools of people? Yeah, well, I'll start with the person who thinks they absolutely have to boycott. My encouragement to Christians is always to ask, am I consistent in my ethics? Am I consistent in my ethics? This applies significantly to the issue of abortion, birth control, and sexuality. Protestant Christians are notoriously inconsistent in their ethic on that. 
And when it comes to issues like this, when we are saying I'm boycotting Target because they're promoting something that's against the Christian sexual ethic, my question would be, have you considered the other ethical considerations in your shopping? Or is this the only one that you're thinking about? Have you considered the slave labor that's involved in the dollar section of Target? Have you considered the sweatshops that are producing the clothing? Have you considered that Home Depot also funds the sexual ethic that you oppose, that Walmart does, that Starbucks does? So it's not to say, I'm saying all this so that you don't boycott anything or to say you're being inconsistent, but I am saying we have to actually acknowledge the holes in the argument. The most effective boycott that ever was accomplished by the church was the Nestle boycott. And I do talk about this in the episode that I did on my podcast, but the Nestle boycott was against Nestle's formula company. They were marketing formula in third world countries and the formula was not high quality. It had problems and the people who were buying it couldn't afford a lot. So they were watering it down and children were dying of starvation because Nestle wasn't being honest about the content of their product. And so churches united with secular companies to boycott Nestle and get that formula removed and bring a lawsuit against Nestle. It was the most consistent united boycott that ever was seen really in church history or in American history. And so when we're looking at Target and you're like, I'm absolutely boycotting this, my encouragement as a Christian would be to ask yourself, are you A, consistent in your sexual ethic? beyond just the issue of homosexuality? Are you consistent in who you are boycotting? If you're attempting to tell companies that you don't like this, are you still funding companies that openly support these things? And are you also consistent in terms of other ethical issues like people not receiving a fair wage? Or are we kind of picking and choosing what we think is the worst sin? And that's when we'll be vocal about it. A thing we also forget is that companies sometimes know that if they do something, there will be negative press and that negative press will actually vault what they're doing further into the media, which is a benefit to them. So I think that sometimes when we're like super, super pro boycott, we forget that we can actually contribute to the very thing that we oppose while also perhaps damaging our witness. So that's what I would say to the person who is super, super pro boycott. The person who is like, whatever, it doesn't matter. I would encourage to evaluate their convictions and to ask themselves if their Christianity actually has any impact on their daily life, or if they have separated the spiritual and the physical, which is something that the Judeo-Christian ethic has never done. The unity of the body and the spirit is one of the fundamentals of the Judeo-Christian ethic. It's why the book of Leviticus is so adamant about that unity of what is done in the body affects the spirit and what is done in the spirit affects the body. And that includes our decisions and our witness in where we shop. Now, if you feel convicted that you can still shop at Target and you are not compromising your personal convictions and what the word clearly reveals, I think that is a conviction. It's a freedom issue. However, I do not think that we can encourage other people to do the same. 
And the problem with encouraging other people to do the same is exactly what Paul talks about with meat sacrifice to idols. He says, you are responsible for the weaker brother who may be convicted about this. You do not lead them to think that meat sacrifice to idols is okay. Maybe you are strong enough to do it, but you do not lead someone else to do the same. So when someone is dismissive and says, well, it doesn't matter, whatever, that is exactly what Paul was saying is wrong and unloving when he speaks to meat sacrifice to idols. So the middle road, what I call the holy moderation, I think personally, is listening to the Holy Spirit, looking at what the word says about the issue and asking, am I consistent in my ethic and am I loving to other people? I feel like that could be a great podcast, the holy moderation, because that's kind of what we do on each episode is we're talking through like there's extremes in life and we have to figure out a way, like you're saying, to evaluate through scripture, through prayers, saying, asking those same questions. So I love that. And again, that's kind of one of the reasons I'm really thankful we waited to do this episode and like let a little of that die down because I felt like when we decided not to release an episode kind of in the moment. I felt like it was just contributing to the like noise of it all and the hype of it. And it's so crazy. Again, I think we're just naive. We just recorded like our 15th million episode on social media and how we both are experiencing it last week. And I think we're just really naive to what media intending to do and how they want exactly what you're talking about to drive this noise and even more discord. And so sometimes I do think as Christians, like what we think, oh yeah, I'm standing up and I'm posting that on my Instagram and it's just like really standing firm in my belief. I think we just are missing sometimes what it's doing like on a bigger scale and how that could just be drumming up more confusion and noise versus us like, yeah, walking through these questions with our own community, our own heart and mind and really like figuring it out that way. I don't know if that Well, I think it's interesting you actually say like drumming up on the bigger scale. And then I think even drumming up on a smaller scale, I think we often think I'm not privy to being influenced by other people's thoughts. I'm stronger than that. I'm better than that. That doesn't affect me. And then in reality, we're people who are all over the place. We are in our minds when these things happen, we're running around with like, you know, our heads cut off kind of just being like, oh, how should I respond? What should I say? And again, it's fun. It almost seems like just culturally appropriate to be a part of the noise and make up an opinion, even if you've not thought about it, which I just think is a really dangerous place to be. Yeah, for sure. Well, and even as you say that, Felicia, one other thought is exactly what you do with your ministry. It is so incredible to me that, yeah, you're taking these, what do I believe why do I believe that? And how should I live that out? And I love that you add the point graciously. I think that's the word you use that I'm like, yeah, we can't be people who we have this strong opinion because yes, it is coming from the like word of God and we know it's true and right, but we can't just be like plastering that up to a way that is unattractive or offensive or hurtful. Yes, we will offend. We will maybe disagree, but we can learn how to do that in a gracious and kind way that actually then reflects the character of God and makes God more attractive to people because we're not just like this blaring kind of gong. You know, we're not a blaring gong and symbol as it talks about in scripture. No, we're actually kind and gracious and loving people that actually can engage in conversation with people. Right. Yeah. And Christians should be the very best at civil discourse. They should. We should be setting the example of how to disagree graciously, which is so hard. I struggle with it 
I'm in the wrong job for having to you know, struggle with that. But I think that when you're walking in the fruits of the Spirit, increasingly listening to the Holy Spirit and remembering that He is the one who will convict and lead people to discernment, even change their minds, we don't feel the pressure to try to change minds and get that anxious, urgent, pushy kind of mannerism when it comes to this stuff. I think so often we forget God is still sovereign. He's still on the throne. He is not surprised by what Target's doing, just like he wasn't surprised by what Nebuchadnezzar was doing or what Julius Caesar was doing. He knows all of it. He's seen it before. And he's asking us to trust him and follow his leading into holiness, not try to create a holy society that doesn't even have the Holy Spirit. We have to be listening to him and what he's asking us to do. And then what we do will be effective. Yeah. You kind of summed all of that up. But just as we wrap up, how would you encourage, especially the people, I mean, we all use social media for our work and for our ministry. But I think all of us also see that, okay, sometimes you need to pull away from that and go have these conversations with real life community, maybe mentors in your life or your friends. And so Again, you've answered this in some ways, but do you have any last encouragement for women as they go out into their own lives and how they could be having these conversations that would actually be helpful and beneficial versus just like argumentative or I don't know, defensive, defensive? Yeah. Yeah. Try to have a posture of curiosity instead of defensiveness. So if you're talking to a friend of yours who says, I no longer shop at Target and you're literally holding like your Target Target dollar section (laughs) items in your hand (laughs) and your Starbucks and the other. Instead of being like personally attacked, be curious. What led you to that conclusion? Like, what did you read or study that led you to that? And then keep asking questions. And you might not agree. I have one friend. She's so funny. I can always tell when she doesn't agree with something when she's talking to someone because she says, that's interesting. And then that's how she she doesn't say anything else. Only I know that because I know her, but she'll like ask several questions and then just say, hmm, that's interesting. And that's how she kind of segues out of the conversation. She doesn't have to get super defensive about it. And I think just remembering the Holy Spirit can convict and I can just learn a different perspective and maybe pray about it and see what God does with it from there. That is the sign of like wisdom right there. And you feel that when you're in conversation with other people. I've been the person that is just like needing to get my point across. And then I've also been on the other end where I'm just trying to ask questions and you can feel sometimes it's like, oh, the energy you're giving right now, like this is loaded for you. And it just if you can step back and be like, okay, you're kind of the one not to like make them look crazy, but like you're the one that cares way. You have so much just like emotion tied into this right now. You can tell that usually those people maybe are coming to the conversation with like a humble starting spot. And so I just usually try to like back away from that. But I've also been the one that's like coming in guns a blazing. So that's what actually one thing that I think I'm just learning God's revealing to me over the past few weeks and even talking to you is like affirming that today that I think we as Christians are just we love to have the last word. We love to say what we want to say. We love to just be. I mean, it's like a culture of hot takes. You know, it's like, what's your hot take for the day? And that's just kind of the flashy thing right now. And I think the more I learn from 
wiser people, the more I learn about God that even talking to you, you are so well-spoken. You speak so calmly and eloquently. And I think we as Christians just lose the art of listening well, that we want to just jump in and say the next thing. And we want to be savvy and we want to sound smart when in reality, that's actually kind of our way you know, I can really only speak for myself, but it's almost my way of wanting myself to be elevated, not God. It's making myself seem superior. It's a pride issue. And I think a lot of times if we actually as Christians maybe took the more humble approach of saying, no, I want to be humble. I want to come to this conversation willing to learn. I want to listen. I want to love this person. Like those are my first goals. My goal is not to win the argument. My goal is not to win their thought in something, but it's actually just to love them and how I'm going to listen or how I'm going to to engage. And we just lose that yeah, so quick. That was good. So Felicia, thank you so much for your time today. Everyone listening today, we'll make sure to link the podcast that your podcast in general, but the specific episode that we heard you talk about this conversation, because you just had so many good things to say. And even in that, I hope a lot of you guys go and start listening to Verity as well and become a fan of Every Woman Theologian, because it's a great resource and tool to equip us all to know yeah, what we believe, why we believe it and how to live that out graciously. So thanks for all you're doing. Thank you. I hope that's encouraging to you too, because keep going. We really yeah. love it. It's awesome to see all that you're doing. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. Yeah. Have a good day. Thank you. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.